Hey everyone, I'm Jeff Melnick and your host for this episode of Reimagining Work from Within and a founding partner of Within People based in San Francisco. I'm joined today by our other founding partner, Lori Bennett, coming to you live from Vancouver. Hey, Lori. Hi, Jeff. How are you today? I'm pretty good, thanks. Yeah? Yeah. You just moved into a new house. There's a new house. It's easier to close the window, which is good for this kind of thing. And uh, it's been sunny for three weeks, which is completely unheard of and delightful. Exceptional. Bringing you the best that Canada can offer. And we are with our special guest today, Burke Pemberton. Burke is CFO at Stoke. Stoke is a sustainability consulting firm based here on the West Coast and also in Denver, Colorado. They are experts in the built environment and are committed to a radically better world for all. They've been a within client since 2020, and we've been proudly helping them grow their leadership and drive their employee experience through their self-managed system. So today, I'm really excited to host this conversation around freedom in the workplace, what that means for self-managed businesses, the perks and the pitfalls, and how other businesses might take from our collective learnings on operating in a space of self-responsibility. Welcome, Burke. Thanks, Jeff. Thanks for having me. How are things in Denver today? Lovely. It started out with a kind of cloudy, cool morning, but it's it's a nice and sunny, but not too hot. Well, it's really great to have you on the podcast. We've been wanting to get you on for quite some time. It's busy season over at Stoke. I know you guys are planning for the future and business is going well. Tell us a little bit more about you and about your time at Stoke. Right. Yeah. Well, I've been with Stoke for about 12 years, so almost since its founding. It's a 14-year-old company. We started in San Francisco, mostly just as green building consultants. And we've we've really grown to be this sort of interdisciplinary team of experts focused on the built environment, helping owners realize value through their real estate. And yeah, so now we have offices in San Diego and, and I'm in Denver, where is our fastest growing office. We've hired 25 people over the course of the last year and a half during the like starting through the pandemic. And then, yeah, I mean, just like everybody else, we we have people all over the globe now sort of working from wherever and have been really learning to adjust to that. But yeah, I, you know, my title is Sogus CFO. I work to oversee sort of anything that's not revenue-driven, so sales and revenue-driven. So, you know, operations, technology, finance and accounting, M&A, all that type of stuff, legal risk management, that type of stuff. But my favorite part and my my sort of happy place is working on the self-management board structure that we work closely with you guys on. And so you're self-managed. What does that mean for other other listeners who may not even know that concept? We've talked about it a little bit on our podcast before, but how do you define what self-management is? Yeah, well, we actually had to like I can give you like a legal definition of it and then and then sort of how it plays out. But we actually had to put a rider on our operating agreement whereby the manager of our LLC delegates all of its authority to these what we call self-managed pods and ultimately to the roles who are responsible for leading those groups. And so everybody in the organization sits on a team and potentially can sit on a pod. And the, the pods have delegated material fiduciary accountabilities to the organization. For example, we have the finance and accounting pod, or we have the sales and marketing pod, right? So those those groups have been delegated this authority by the manager, and then decisions fall on role players within the organization 
and we recommend that those folks follow an advice process. And it is it is pretty prescribed what decisions roles are allowed to make, which ones they need to seek advice on, who they need to seek advice from. But it is it is different than like a more traditional hierarchical structure with bosses and you know just different levels and layers of management basically. And Laurie, I'm curious, what? How do you define it? Because within is also self-managed. So what's what's your way of of thinking about like if we were going to sell this to a new partner joining within? What's your usual way of defining what self-management is? Yeah, I think that no bosses is a really good start, but lots of leaders. It's a way of distributing authority around an organization, and instead of people managing each other, people take responsibility for themselves and support each other in other ways. And so you're not looking at ladders of hierarchy inside self-managed businesses normally. You're looking at people who can make decisions around things that they're passionate about and can get involved in things that align to how they want to work and make decisions for themselves. And why do we do this? Like, Burke, what made you decide at Stoke that this was the right thing to move to? We're, I'm, I'm assuming you were a hierarchy at first and then moved into, into yeah. self-management. Well, so a lot of times people call self-management flat, and I disagree with that statement because before we were self-management, we were actually just kind of a flat organization. We had a founder, and then we just had a bunch of role players. So it was a very small company as a startup. That was how we operated you know, several of us that had experience in more traditional organizations leading up to it. And when we started out to create stuff, we just knew we wanted to do something, something different because we felt like a lot of the old systems were broken and not as efficient as they could be. And, you know, we didn't want to hire people for their strengths and their skills. And then as soon as they start sort of take their power away from them, we wanted to create a system that enabled them to have the power to do what they are professionals at what their subject matter expertise is and 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 there's a lot of trust built into the system and, and that's how we wanted to operate and we found and heard about self-management and we just ran with it and there's something in your dna around equity as well that feels kind of important to reflect around your values hey was that a consideration yeah i think the two biggest ones that i think show up in sort of our autonomous or our self-made structure are our value of autonomy and um, equity Right. And another way of saying autonomy, and I think you mentioned it in the kickoff, it's, it's just this, this idea of, you know, freedom, like being able to make my own decisions, decide how I need to work, how I need to best do my job and leaving that up to me. So long as I'm making sure that my clients are happy and, you know, giving people that autonomy, so long as it doesn't infringe upon others' autonomy. And, and that would then go up against, you know, sort of the equitability value we don't we we don't want to have it be a free-for-all where we're making it harder for other people to be successful as well so yeah i think those two really interplay well together in the work structure laurie what was our reason why did we do it <laughs> remind me <laughs> i need reminding of that yeah. too at the moment a lot of the time why would you do this i think you know we founded within quite intentionally under a context of freedom of what does it really look like to give people the opportunity to make decisions for their own lives and how they work in ways that allow them to love the work they do and love the person they are? And I think 
that piece about equity that you talk about and equitability was really important for us as well of how do you give people the greatest amount of autonomy they can hold to enable them to go do the things that they care most about and love doing most and how in doing that do you actually get more get people to get more of their their own potential out because it's not being limited by management system that tells them what they should or shouldn't do or what they can and can't do in the way that traditional management does, but actually allows them to take the freedom to actually work and operate in ways that's, that work with them. And as, as Burke said, kind of in the collective sense. And I think for us, that just felt like a a more freeing system where people get to be more creative, people get to feel trusted, people get to feel more empowered as, as who they are to do the things that they love. So it sounds pretty ideal, right? I think from the way that both of you have painted the picture, it sounds like what a wonderful thing to have in business. This would be really super easy just to implement. It's all about autonomy and freedom and people just getting their work done, trusting them to be adults. But it's not quite that simple. So <laughs> what does it take to do this successfully? Burke, what have you learned over the years in your wisdom pouch? Can you give us some yeah. key learnings? Yeah, I thought you were just going to say, that's a wrap. We're done here. Um, <laughs> you know, which is what we thought too, you know, with our yeah. idealist mindset going into this. We learned a lot of lessons along the way. That autonomy piece that I just mentioned was definitely one of them where, you know, it's like, well, you still need to enter your hours and expenses because, you know, the accounting department has to do billing and they can't do billing if you don't enter your hours and expenses. So, so what it turns out is that it's not a free-for-all. It's not anarchy. There's actually a lot more processes and rules that we all have to collectively agree on to follow in order to make this thing work. And anybody can propose one of those rules, which is a difference in our system. But, you know, without, without the structure and the processes in place to support it, the wheels can fall off pretty quickly. And, and I think, Laura, you mentioned it earlier, but that, you know, there's a, there's a lot of leadership. It's bossless, but there's a lot of leadership. And when you take away the delegation of bosses, you don't want to lose people's expertise and, and their leadership abilities. And those things are still really valued in a self-managed structure. And it's more about like how, how leadership is, is wielded, you know, and it's less of telling people what to do and more of holding them accountable and more of, uh, you know, providing them with the resources that they need to be successful. And also just acknowledging that there's, there's no way that any one individual can have, you know, insights into everything that's going on in the organization. And so giving people the, you know, the ability to have decision-making authority within the means of their scope of their subject matter expertise, but also trusting others in their own subject matter expertise and being willing to give them advice, but also being willing to respect that they might have a different perspective than you do. And I think that that sounds good on paper, but it's a lot harder in practice and takes a lot of, you know, there's a couple components of a self-managed system that make that really happen and make it possible. One of them is feedback, you know, just being able to train people to give feedback, to have difficult conversations, to speak to perceived authority, to give each other appreciation and recognition. Those things are really important to, to kind of make the wheels of this um, 
this model work. And and transparency is another one. You know, if people don't have insights into what's going on, it's sort of like, oh, just take my word for it, you know, and that doesn't that doesn't fly. So yeah, I, I can stop there. I could go on and on, but I think those are a couple of the critical components that have made it work. Yeah, and it's interesting, even in a traditional hierarchy, what obviously we're seeing from our our non-fully self-managed clients is they want more feedback. They want a feedback culture and they want more transparency in their culture, but it's definitely something that needs to be living and breathing within a self-managed system. Laurie, what's been your learning over the over the years so far around what it takes to do this successfully? Well, I think it's remembering that the reason hierarchies exist and most people aren't self-managed is because it's a really useful shortcut across so many things, across relationship dynamics, across decision-making. It's so much easier if you can just go, I don't need to think about this because I'm just going to follow what my boss does. So the inclination with self-management as we've seen with our clients, and I think we sort of thought about when we first read that glossy brochure with the beautiful sunset of self-management on the front of it, of you just take those things away. Great. No bosses, people have responsibility. And I think behind that, it's so easy to leave a vacuum and an assumption that in a self-managed flowing system, you have less structure and less kind of of the rules and regs to go by. And to some extent that's true, but actually from a system level, you need so much structure and principle and shared expectation and understanding about how things work because you can't just delegate that understanding to an individual who's going to tell you what to do so for us kind of the reason we do what we do around culture is that the cultural understanding of how people show up and the way things work around here becomes absolutely essential. And any place where that's not made clear, whether it's processes for decision-making, lines of accountability, the way people give each other feedback, then it leaves a hole. And I think without that, the individual requirements for people to be able to step into this of it's not a place where self-management doesn't absolve you from responsibility. It actually piles a whole lot more responsibility onto your plate. So if you're not up for taking responsibility for a whole lot more about the way that you work and the way that you operate, then it's just really difficult to to work in a self-managed system. And I think for us, you know, I think we probably peddled the shiny brochure to folks early on, our first partners who came to join within. And I think now we're a lot more sanguine and realistic about what it really means to be in a system like this, which in the end can deliver a huge amount of freedom, but it takes quite a lot of work to get to that place. I said with that quote, you know, with great power comes great responsibility. And he flipped it around for self-management and said, with great responsibility comes great power. And and I think that sums up what he just said really well. It's the evil Spider-Man quote. Uh, (laughs) Burke, do you, when people are coming into Stoke, do you say, oh, just FYI, you're joining a self-managed system. You might find it a bit bumpy on, on entry. Is there something that... Or even are you looking for a certain kind of individual to step into your flavor of freedom that might be different from someone who's come from a more, uh, you know, a standard corporate hierarchical background? 
Yeah, there's certainly a lot of like sort of deprogramming that needs to happen. I think when people are first coming on board, you can say we're self-managed and they're like, hmm, that sounds interesting, but it's, it, you know, there's no, there's no like playbook out there. There's not enough of us doing this yet that it's a commonly known or understood thing. But actually, yeah, Lori and I have been working on developing this sort of onboarding for folks. You know, what is self-management, self-management 101? And this isn't for lack of trying, and it's still wholly inadequate, I think, because the programming that happens, it needs to happen. Really, what, what it is, 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 you know, you have people coming in from much more structured environments, just saying, like, what's the process for this? What is the structure for this? How come this wasn't communicated? You know, and so really training people how to, quote unquote, work out loud and, and show what sort of progress is being made in their neck of the woods so that everybody has access to the information that they want, but not too much. You know, they're not overloaded with information, but it's there if they need it. And just making sure that these kind of processes are explicit. And especially going through these, this phase of rapid growth, you have people coming from these more structured kind of hierarchical environments just saying like, you know, this happened last week. It's like, what is the process for this? And I said, well, what do you want it to be? <laughs> you know, and and they came to this meeting and said, you know, like, what are we going to do about this? And it's like, no, no, no. Like, it's you get to suggest what you think it should be, right? And and that's a really kind of a shocker for people to shift that mindset, you know. And then it's like, well, I need a task force. I need people who are experts in finance and marketing to be able to make this decision. And so, okay, let's help you put that together. And here's a proposal process for what that might look like. And here's the feedback you're going to get. And so, yeah, I do. I do think it's depending on how long people have been in the workforce, it can take a couple few years to get adjusted to that mentality. Oh, yeah, yeah, and and it's not for everyone either. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah. I think some people would just rather have the, the stuff be in place. Yeah, I often think that there that level of freedom is is just not comfortable for some individuals, right? And that's okay. There's no judgment around that, but they operate better in an environment where those those known things are there for them, then they don't have to navigate through them. But yeah. but Lori, we found people joining us want to step into that freedom. But what gets in the way to that kind of deprogramming that that Burke has mentioned there? What are some of the things that trips folks up? They want it, they want the freedom, they want the self responsibility, but they just can't get there. What are some of the things that trip them up? It's the million dollar question, isn't it? I think if we knew that for sure, our lives would be our lives would be easier here. But I think it is interesting because Burke, you and I have spoken about it. People come to Stoke because yourself met. That's a huge part of their decision in coming there. And I think we have the same challenge, which is people love the idea of freedom and the greater freedom that comes from that. And the experience that they then have can can quickly feel quite distant from that idea, especially as they're learning to get the hang of it, because it can feel quite claustrophobic if you don't know how to operate inside of a, of a system that's here. And that deprogramming is so much more intentional of a process and so much harder to do than simply putting somebody into an onboarding program about this is kind of the way we do things around here when you've already got a general understanding of how our business works, whereas this really turns that on its head. And I think people get confronted with, with a a, a sort of imposter syndrome in that space of I'm actually now terrified about making decisions in, in this way because I don't believe myself to be worthy of this or capable of this in some way. I think sometimes it feels like a lot of effort to go to. It's 
if I was a boss, I would just tell everybody what to do. Whereas now I have to consult with people and understand people and seek advice and move forward on things. And that can feel a little challenging for folks. But I think that that deep inner sense of freedom is a big, scary place. We like to have a set of constraints around us that position us and allow us to feel comfortable where we are because we know where that is. If you remove that GPS coordinates of all of the systems of a hierarchy, it can feel big and, and cavernous. And until you start to understand what the constraints are collectively that you agree on to be able to actually find ways of operating together that work really fluidly. It's just a scary place to, to be. Have you from a leadership perspective, like, you know, you move from telling people what to do to, to modeling the behavior, right? And, and that's the commitment we make is to, to understand what the process is and to model it. I think it took us years for me to even give that answer to someone to say, like, well, what would you like it to be? And they would come to me with a problem and I would just say, okay, let me get back to you. I'm going to figure that out, you know, and I'll give you the new policy. And, and just to be able to say, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to support you in doing that. That, that in and of itself is a, is a shift that, that takes time for people who are used to doing it a different way. Yeah. And I think one of the things that I've often seen getting tripped up as well is in that space of accountability or responsibility, right? Like the boss is the one who sets the deadline, but if in a self-managed system, the team has agreed on the deadline and someone doesn't hit it, well, whose head's going to roll? Right. And first of all, does someone's head need to roll if we don't hit a deadline? I mean, the sky hasn't fallen. But Burke, what have you noticed around that? Like, how do we hold each other to account in that when we are there are no bosses, anyone can lead and everyone is self-responsible? What's the what's the accountability mechanism? Yeah, it's it's what we do is we we have this circle or pod we call them which is you know sort of our catch-all bucket for if there's a system that doesn't exist and we're like oh we need we need something for this it's it's that group's we call it the alignment pod it's that group's responsibility to sort of create some structure and then and then we get feedback on it from the members and we'll we'll present it at a at an all hands meeting and, and get feedback on it before you know the bill becomes a law or whatever but at the end of each year we all do our own strategic plans right and we say this is what this is what our group is going to work towards next year and this is what we're going to accomplish and you know they can repropose how they want to be evaluated, what sort of metrics or you know KPIs they want to be evaluated on. Those get approved by the sort of larger vision committee, and then you know we sort of manage to those, and we have this quarterly reporting process where you know the group and committee leads sort of work out loud and tell everybody how how their progress is coming along to the strategic initiatives, their KPIs, why they are or are not hitting them, and. You know, it's it's very much sort of a peer pressure based system, and then it and then our our compensation structure is objectively managed to either you did what you said you were going to do or you didn't, and it's still you know all totally up to the people signing up for that, and you know that system's constantly getting better. But yeah, I think I think that what what really helps to make a self managed accountability system work is to be transparent about it, to have high visibility into it, to agree to it ahead of time. To make sure that the people signing up for those responsibilities are signing up for those and they're not being 
going told what to do, right? And then and then managing those. And actually the the person who said we don't, you know, what's the process for this that I just mentioned? The process was what's the process for updating our KPIs or our strategic initiatives like halfway through the year if we want to. And and I said, I don't know, we need that, you know, well, let's figure that out. And so that's like another iteration that we'll have, you know, next year we'll have this thing in place where people can you know, change because things change all the time, right? Yeah. So I was at a friend's giving dinner last year talking to somebody about, as you do, someone that I'd never met <laughs> around the dinner table about the work that Within does. And I mentioned that we were self-managed and that we love to work with other businesses that were self-managed. I think he might've been a CEO of a tech company and he, and he just said, oh, that's that bullshit that never works at scale, mm -hmm. which made me spit out my stuffing. But Burke, you guys have been growing really fast and you're you've got a, on a continued growth scale, you're doing really well. Does self-management work in, at scale and how has it contributed to your growth? That was Canadian Thanksgiving, right? No, it was an American one. <laughs> yeah, so, you know, that's the also the million dollar question. Right. I like to think that we set it up so that it can scale, you know, and, and if you think about like a sort of like a tree of life with the, you know, the roots going into the ground and, and the branches going up and, and you know, it hopefully design that one part of the system can fail. And there's a great book about uh, self-management called The Starfish and the Spider. It's more about like leaderless organizations, but it kind of talks about this, you know, you chop the head off the spider, the entity dies, you chop the... There, the starfish doesn't have a head, right? You can chop off its thing and it'll grow back. And so, yeah, I mean, I think setting systems up to scale means that, you know, you don't want it to be too easy to have, you know, new circles or new groups, you know, or new things to manage or too many rules. You know, you don't want, you don't want these things to be burdened with, with bureaucracy. It needs to be adaptable. It needs to be able to change all the time, but then also to be able to sort of scale when you know you need to scale and, and what we call cell division, right? So for example, we found like a pretty good number for the team. It's kind of like that Jeff Bezos, like two pizza rule is like around 12, right? And we've got a couple of teams that are getting up into the teens and twenties now. And so we, we've, you know, we've always tried to say like, well, what is a team? And, and a team is, in my opinion, it generates, it can be like around a revenue center. It has revenues and costs and has people and in order to manage that team, you need someone managing that PL and you need somebody who's helping the people and supporting and growing the people within the team. And hopefully as we grow, these things can not only scale and cell divide, but also kind of, you know, have more like regional iterations or even, you know, entity level country designations as it scales. And so you can have a person that's on this team and this role and this department and this place, but it, you know, and everybody can kind of do things a little bit their own way, but there's a lot of guidelines that are set at the organizational level for success. You guys, we could talk about this all day and I feel like we're just scratching the surface of really what this flavor of freedom can give us. And Burke, I know that you don't have much time left because it's your birthday. <gasps> Is it wrong to sing on a podcast? It's never wrong. And I and happy birthday is royalty free. So we could possibly do that. But I'm I feel like we should probably wrap it up from here. But Burke, as we do with all our guests, we have our rapid fire question round. And I'd love to fire these ones at you and see where we get to. Are you in? I'm in. Let's do it. All right. What three words would you use to describe the workplace culture you'd like to lead? 
What three words? Joyful, balanced, and familial. What three words would you use to define the future of work? Hybrid. Oh, I can't come up with a word for this, but it's, it's like connectedness, like a new form of connectedness and multicultural. Juicy. What one quality is your superpower or strength? Buckets. Putting things in buckets. Organization. Bucketizing. <laughs> what one quality is your development area or stretch? Always empathy. What is your most treasured spot outside of work? Treasured spot would have to be in the mountains. I love how that question <laughs> assumes it might be inside of work, but hey, no judgment. In the mountains. <laughs> is there a person or a brand you'd like to shine a light on today? I mean, if anyone else were asking me this question, I would say it's you guys. You know, constantly talking about how much you've helped us. We we went ah. through three rounds, and this is they didn't pay me to do this, but there's we went through several different sets of consultants to try and help us on this journey of self-management. And you know, I think the way that you guys approach it from philosophically is it, just fundamentally really helped to prove our organization. Yeah, I'm gonna leave it at that. It's a good thing you can't blush on a podcast. <laughs> Final question. If you had to pick one song that represented who you are as a leader, what would it be? Oh my gosh. That's a really hard one. I don't know. That's a tough one. I have so many songs that I love. I had more time. Listeners may not know that Burke used to be a DJ as well, but I'm not sure the songs you used to play had any sense of vocal melody that would allow us to represent your leadership, Burke. Let's go with Friends of Mine by Duran Ooh, archival, <laughs> exceptional. This has been an absolute pleasure. Laurie, thank you for joining us as always. Big shout out to our producer, Emily, who guides us all the way. And Burke, it's been wonderful to have you here on the podcast and a very happy birthday to you. Thanks for listening, everyone. We hope you enjoyed learning today all about work freedom and self-management with our special guest, Burke Pemberton from Stoke. Tune into our podcast every other week for more episodes on what's happening in the culture and leadership space what's on the minds of leaders committed to change in our community, and other future of work content you crave. Reimagining Work From Within is available wherever you listen to podcasts. Bam.